This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. And as we come to your word now, Father, I pray that you would anoint me, equip me for this task of preaching truthfully, preaching clearly. And Lord, for everybody who's listening, open our ears and our hearts up to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I want to take you back to 1993. Yes, it is a long time ago. I'm in year 10 at East Hills Boys High School. It was a commerce class and the teacher was teaching the lesson and about partway through, he stands up in front of the class and says, now boys, you have an assignment. And at that, the kid behind me says, that's bull, beep. He said, that's BS. At that, the kid started laughing and the teacher points his finger at me and says, Greeny, get out. And I'm like, what for, sir, for what you just said? Greeny, get out. But it wasn't me, sir. Greeny, get out. So I stood up, went and stood outside the room. He came and found me. He lectured me on not speaking that way in the classroom. And I was like, sir, it wasn't me. I didn't say it. He didn't listen. He gave me an after-school detention, an arvo that I did. I took the punishment for another kid's wrongdoing. And the reason I share that story is because it gives us a glimpse of what Christianity is all about, where someone takes the punishment for other people's wrongdoing. The question I have for you this morning is this. What is real Christianity? You know, lots of people have different thoughts about what Christianity is. Some people think it's all about doing good works. Others think it's a way of living. Some people think it's about church buildings or money or power. Others think it's a, it's a political system. Others think it's about loving people or social justice. The question I have for this morning is, what is real Christianity? What is at the core? What is at the very centre of what Christianity is about? Now, to answer that question, I want to take you to what the Bible says because the Bible is God's words to us and he's the one that tells us what Christianity is about. And in his word, in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, there is a guy named Paul who writes this as God led him to write. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 what real Christianity is about. He talks about the center. He tells us what is first important, first importance. And he says this, that at the center of Christianity is the gospel. Now that's an interesting word. The gospel simply means the good news about Jesus. And he talks about this gospel in this passage in five ways. He describes the gospel as the thing that is of first importance. He then explains the gospel to us. It then tells us that the gospel saves us, that the gospel must be received, and finally, that it's something that we must stand on. They're the five things. We're going to read the text and then look at these five things about the gospel. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul writes this, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. Verse 2, by this gospel you are saved 
if you hold firmly to the word preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. Verse 3, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and at last of all, he appeared to me also as to one of normally born. That's the, talking about himself, the Apostle Paul. In this passage, Paul talks about the gospel, the good news about Jesus in five ways. Here is the first way. He says that it, that it is of first importance. If we look at this going back to verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, which is what I preached to you, which you've received and taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you continue to hold firmly to it. And then he says down in verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Friends, here the Apostle Paul is saying, God is saying to us that the gospel is of first, first importance. Now the Bible talks about many things. It talks about the history of the world. It tells us about science. It tells us about the church and how the church is supposed to function. It talks us about how we're supposed to lead. It talks about spiritual gifts. It talks about how we're going to treat each other. And I could go on and talk about all the Bible talks about. But here, Paul says to us that right at the very centre, the number one thing, the thing that is of first importance out of everything that the Bible says is the gospel. The good news about Jesus is the most important bit. Then... He then goes on and explains to us what this gospel is. In verse 3, for what I, what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. And here is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Friends, here is the good news, that Christ Another name for Jesus that means chosen one, anointed one, that Jesus died for sins. According to the scriptures, meaning as foretold in the Old Testament, that he was going to die for sins, that he was buried, that he was dead, and then he came alive again. According to what, again, what the Old Testament's going to tell us, according to the scriptures. Friends, the good news is that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. Notice why he died. Jesus died for our sin. Now, our word, the word sin simply means wrongdoing. It's for when we choose to live our way and ignore God's way. When it's we deliberately disobey God. It's when we deliberately don't do the things that we should do. God wants us to live, live this way and we don't. That's also called sin. And the thing about sin is that it is devastating. When we sin, it hurts us. You know, when we sin, we, we are usually feel guilty. And, and Nicky Gumbel in the Alpha series describes it this way. He says, guilt is feeling bad about what we've done. 
which can easily lead to shame, which is feeling bad about who we are. Friends, this is the result of sin. It hurts us, but it also hurts other people. Sin says, I'm going to put my best above your best. Sin tears people down. It doesn't build up. Sin destroys relationships. Sin hurts people. It creates great damage in people's lives. And not only are we hurt by sin, not only does sin hurt others, as I said, it hurts God. You know, the Bible says that when God made the world, it was good. It was perfect. God made this incredible creation. And, and as God, he told us how it was supposed to work. He set up rules. He set up ways for people to respond. And at the pinnacle of all that God created, he created mankind in his image. And the Bible says what he created was incredible. And God had this beautiful relationship with people where he walked with them, where he talked with them. There was this wonderful connection between God and man until until the worst day of history that mankind chose to rebel against God. In Genesis 3, it tells us that people rebelled against God. People chose to say, God, I know best. I know what you want, but I'm going to choose not to do it. I'm going to choose my way over your way. And at that, God was hurt. God was angry. And as a result of our wrongdoing, God said, because of your sin, everyone is now going to die. It meant the gradual decay of our bodies, but it also meant death spiritually to God, that we are dead to God. We are no longer in relationship with him. There is a separation between us and God because of our wrongdoing. This death that we die isn't just at the end of our life we go and lay and, that's, and, and we cease to exist. The Bible talks about an eternal death, a place without God for eternity. The Bible says that we are under his judgment because of what we've done. So sin, friends, hurts us, hurts others, and it's hurt God. And because of our sin, we deserve death. Our relationship with God is broken. It's separated. We are under his anger, under his wrath. And friends, that is not good news. And if that was the story of humanity, that would be that would be awful. That would be horrific. There would be no hope. But that's not the end. For God gives us hope because he loves us. You know, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. The Bible says it in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everybody who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Friends, God loved me. God loved you sitting in your lounge room. God loved you sitting at your computer so much that he sent his son Jesus. He saw your wrongdoing. He knew you were separated. He knew the death sentence that is on your life. And God doesn't want that for you. So he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and take the punishment that I deserve for my wrongdoing. He took the punishment that I deserved for my wrongdoing. By dying in my place, he took the death sentence that I deserved for my wrongdoing. He took God's anger upon himself that I deserved for my wrongdoing. He restored that relationship with God because of my sin. Friends, it's through the death of Jesus that he makes it all right again. And it's through his resurrection 
that we can have eternal life. At the end of this life and we leave and, and we pass, we can look forward to eternal life because Jesus has risen from the dead. God has loved us that he gave us his son, that we may be forgiven, that we can be have a relationship restored, that we can live forever with him in eternity. Friends, this is the good news explained. I want to illustrate it to you this morning. I brought in two containers. One's entitled me and the other is Jesus. In my container, it's full of rocks. It's full of rocks. And each one of these rocks is symbolic of every sin that I've done, every lie, when I've stolen something, when I've hurt somebody, when I haven't treated my wife in the way I should have treated her, when I've put my agenda above others, every time I've sworn, every time I've looked at someone lustily. Friends, if every sin was a rock, maybe this whole room will be full of them because I've sinned over and over again. And if you're honest, I think you would agree if you look at your life, you've continually done the wrong thing in the way you've spoken and you've torn people down and you've lied and you've cheated and you've hurt God. But I want you to notice Jesus' Jesus container. His container is empty. Jesus never did anything wrong. And as the one who never did anything wrong could take our wrongdoing upon himself and pay the punishment, take the punishment, pay the price for our wrongdoing. And so when Jesus goes to that cross, he takes all my sin upon himself. He takes the whole world's sin upon himself. And now notice my container, it's empty. My sin has now been dealt with. My sin has now been forgiven. God has given me a fresh start, a new life, because Jesus has paid for my wrongdoing. He's paid for my sin. I'm now free from sin. I can now have a relationship with God and live with him in eternity. Friends, that is the gospel. Christ died for us, for our sin, that we could be in relationship with him. He rose from the dead that we can live with him forever. That is a picture of the gospel. That is the second thing the gospel explained. The third thing that we see in this passage is that the gospel saves us. It says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preached to you which you received and which you've taken your stand. And in verse 2, by this gospel you are saved. Now, when we talk about saved today, we're thinking about being rescued from a bushfire or drowning in the water and someone saves us. Friends, it's through the gospel that we are saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from what I said before. Saved from eternal death. Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from eternal judgment. Saved from even ourselves, from our wrongdoing, from the guilt and the shame that gets lifted when we come to Jesus. Jesus saves us. When I was 16, at the end of year 10, the year I got the after-school detention, actually got a few in high school, that was one of the times I didn't deserve it in that story I told you earlier. I, at the end of year 10, we, me and my mates went to the beach pretty much every day. 
I had long hair and it was matted because of the salt water. I had the wetsuit on, the spring suit, and I had the weighty tan, the tan, tan on the back of my legs. And we used to go really early in the morning, catch the train into Sydney and out to Cronulla. And, and on one morning, we were out bodyboarding at North, North Cronulla at the point there. And we're, and we're doing our usual thing. And then I hear this voice, hey, can you help me? Hey, can you help me? And I turn and I see there's a swimmer right near the pools who's caught in a rip as the water's pulling him out. At that, I paddled across. I had flippers on. I jumped off my board. I gave him my board. And then I used my flippers to swim in and he paddled in to the sand. The guy was really, really thankful for what I did. And on that day, I may have saved his life. Well, friends, on the day when Jesus died for our sin, he made a way for us to be saved, not from water, but eternal death. He gives us eternal life. We are saved through him. The fourth thing Paul writes about this gospel is that it must be received. And this is so important, everybody, that it must be received. He said, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received it's a lot like a present where someone comes to your house, knocks on your front door and brings this present to you and says, I've bought you a gift. Now that gift only becomes beneficial to you if you receive it. So you can say, no, thanks. I don't want that. And if you say no, well, they, they take the gift home and you miss out on the benefit of that gift. It's only as you receive it and you say, thank you, you then reap the benefit of that gift. And so it is here. Jesus has died for sin. He's risen from the dead to give us eternal life. But it only becomes a benefit to us. We only get it. It only becomes ours once we receive it. And the first step is in receiving it. The first step in receiving what God has done for us is recognising our need for it. At the beginning of this message, I told you about that story when I was in year 10 and the kid behind me gave the teacher the BS. Well, a couple of years later, I saw that kid. He left in year 10. His name was Daniel. I saw him at a party and I went up to him and said, hi, Daniel, how are you going? We had a chat. And I said, do you remember that time back in that commerce class in year 10? And at that, he smiled and he laughed. He said, yeah, Nathan, sorry about that. That was me. I said it. I said, I knew it was you. And yet I copped the punishment you deserved. He goes, yeah, Nathan, thank you. Now, the reason I share that is because the thing about Daniel in that moment is that he owned up and he said, yeah, I've done the wrong thing. And so it is here with us with the gospel. We need to recognise that we have sinned, that we've hurt others, that we've hurt ourselves and that we've hurt God. And because the first step in receiving the gospel is recognising our need for it, that we are sinful, that we need forgiveness, that we, that we deserve death, and if we're going to have eternal life, we've got to receive what God has given us. So we need to recognise that Jesus is the one that can give us eternal life, that he's the one who's the son of God, that he died for us and rose again. We've got to recognise that we are sinful and we need to say, God, God, I recognise my error. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me for my sin. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. Friends, it must be received individually. Every single one of us needs to make that decision. If it's going to be ours, we need to receive it individually. And finally, the fifth thing here in this passage is that Paul says that this gospel is something that we stand on. 
Paul says, I want to remind you of this gospel I preached to you, which you've received and on which you have taken your stand. What does he mean by that? Well, this gospel is the platform in which, in which it motivates the way that we live. We recognize the incredible cost it cost God to give his son to die by execution in the most agonizing way for our relationship with God to be restored, to have our death sentence quashed, for his anger to be taken off us and put on Jesus. We recognize the cost. We recognize what it means for us to be forgiven and have eternal life. And we are so thankful that it motivates us, that it's like a springboard that we live a life that says, God, you're incredible. I'm going to live my life for you because of what you've done for me. We stand on it and we live in a way which says, I've received the gospel. Over the last few weeks, months, I've been helping my parents do some renos around the house. And the reason I help them is because for years and years, my whole life, they've helped me. They changed my nappy. They cleaned up my spew. They helped me when I was sick. They paid for all my clothes and food until I got married and left home. And even now, they are, they're, they're a blessing to us and my family. And so whenever an opportunity comes up for me to serve them, I say, yes, I'm in, out of a response to what God has done, not God, as out, of, out of response to what my parents have done for me. And so it is here. Paul says, live in a way which says that you've received the gospel. Live in a way which says that God has forgiven you, where you choose to live God's way, where you turn away from wrongdoing and you choose to obey him. Live in a way that says, God loves me, therefore I will choose to love others. God has done so much for me. I'm going to give, I'm going to share what God has done with me with others. It's a living a life out of, out of a response. That's what it means to stand on this gospel. Finally, I started with this question, friends. What is real Christianity? And I've said to you this morning at the core at the center, at the very, very essence of what Christianity is about is the message of the gospel. It is the good news about Jesus. And in this passage, Paul tells us this gospel is the most important thing out of everything else the Bible talks about it, more than anything else in life. The gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sin, that he rose again to give us new life, that is the first importance. He explains what the gospel is. He tells us that it's through Jesus' death that our sins are forgiven. It says this gospel saves us. This gospel must be received. And it's on this gospel that we can live, that we can take our stand. It's the gospel that motivates us. Friends, as we come to the end of this message, I wonder if, number four, you have received this gospel. Friends, it truly is the best news it truly is the good news, but it only becomes good news for you once you receive it. If you want to receive it this morning, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Friends, by receiving what Jesus has done for you, it is the best decision you could ever, ever make. He forgives your sin. He sets you free from all your wrongdoing. He restores your relationship with God. He takes the death sentence on you, that, that was on your life. He takes that from you so that you can live forever with God. Friends, these are the benefits of receiving the gospel. If you want to do that, if you want to receive it, I'm going to pray a prayer. 
And I encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart with me. This is it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died to me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, you've just received the gospel. You've just received what Jesus has done for you. And it's so important that you now stand on it, that you build your life on it. And we want to help you do that. I encourage you to click on the, on the prayer tab as part of the chat box. Let us know that you prayed it and one of our staff will connect with you and help you live a life where you stand on this gospel. Or go to our website, go to new here, start here and put your details in. And again, one of the staff will make contact with you and help you on this journey of living a life that honours Jesus. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks for watching today. Encourage you to be part of our online Zoom morning tea. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 